Unbelievable. Hey, I've got to tell you that uh, I just uh, got uh, some uh, resources out the back there. And uh, as mentioned beforehand, when I was in Sydney 2006, we had 51,000 students that went through our programs in the school. And uh, so there's just a, a message here. If you're in, in high school, you've got a, a passion to, to win students, then grab that one there. I've got a couple others on communication and uh, hearing the voice of God. Uh, but uh, that's out the back. But uh, you've got your Bibles. I want you to get ready. I want you to strap your seatbelt up and your, and your seats there. I don't know if you've ever seen the cartoons where, you know, they, they have these, uh, the, the flea circuses. I don't know if you've ever seen the little fleas and they've got the Ferris wheels and all those sorts of things. And well, we know that, uh, you know, that's just uh, make-believe. Uh, but but I, I don't know if you realize, but you can actually train uh, fleas. They did a study with fleas. What they did is they got a jar and they put fleas into this jar. The, the thing is about fleas is that they have the ability to jump incredible uh, heights for, for the size that they are. And so uh, what they found is if they put fleas in a, in a jar, that they had the ability to jump right out of the jar. And so what they did is they, they did the study watching them jump out, but then they took the lid, replaced the fleas, and then they put the lid on the top and they started to watch and they saw these fleas jumping up and down, hitting their heads uh, on the top of the the lid. And what happened was, is that they started to watch. It wasn't that they stopped jumping because fleas just love to jump. But what happened was, as they jumped, what happened was they, they noticed that the fleas started to realize that if I jump so far, I'm going to hit my head. And that hurts. I don't know if you ever hit your head, but it hurts sometimes. And so what happens is, is that, that they, they conditioned themselves in such a way that they would jump so high uh, so they wouldn't hurt themselves. They didn't stop jumping because that's in their, their nature. That's what they're you know, created to do is to jump. And, and so, but they only jumped so far. They conditioned themselves to go only so far because if they went any further, it would create some, some pain. Uh, the, the other time, I, I remember being at a circus once, and uh, you may have been at a circus seeing the same sort of thing, but I remember at a circus uh, seeing a, an elephant, a rope was wrapped around the, the, the foot of the, the, the elephant, and, and the rope went to the, the pole of the marquee. And I looked at that and I thought, what, are you crazy? I mean, we, we know that that elephant, I mean, he weighs several tons. He has incredible power and strength. And, and just one kick of that elephant, he's able to pull down that entire marquee and walk away. How is it that they train a, an elephant to stay still in one place? What they did was, is that, uh, what they do is, to train them, what they do is they take a, a, the, the, a, a metal coupling and they put it around the ankle when it's a little uh, elephant. They call them calves. They, 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 they take this metal thing and they place it around the ankle of, of, of an elephant, a baby calf. And, uh, but the problem is on the inside of it, it's got these jagged edges all the way around the inside. It's got a chain that then goes to a, a very solid surface. And so uh, just like any kid, any baby, they've got energy. They just want want to run around, they want to play. But what happens is as soon as that cuffling goes on, man, he just wants to run away. And so he runs away. But the problem is as soon as that chain goes tight, the jagged edges on the inside of that thing cuts into the flesh of the elephant. And that's how they train it. So what happens is, is eventually uh, flesh is exposed all the way around the leg of that elephant. And then what they do is they take a rope and they wrap the rope and they tie it up nice and tight around the ankle. And then they secure that. And so every time it goes to move, the, 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 the rope then cuts even further into the flesh of the elephant. 
pretty mean. But, but what happens is, is that eventually the, the elephant conditions its mind into thinking that as soon as I've got something on my ankle, if I start moving, what's going to happen is it's going to create pain. And so it teaches itself from a very young age, if there's something strapped to my foot, I stay still. And so what happens is, is the wound heals up uh, and, and it gets older and it becomes a, a fully grown elephant several tons. And even though it has the power and the ability to, to kick the tent and walk wherever it wants, because it's conditioned its mind in a certain way, it stays exactly where it is. And I presented those stories tonight because I want you to know that every single one of us in this room, it doesn't matter who you are, every single one of you is right now are living in your place right now based on the conditioning of your mind. A great uh, man that lived in history, a guy by the name of Henry Ford, we should all know his name. But he said this once, he said, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're exactly right. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're exactly right. Uh, Proverbs 23, 7 says it another way. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What this scripture is saying is this, is that, you know, as you think in your heart, as you dwell in your heart, that's exactly how you're going to be. I want you to know that as you think about what you're going to do in life, what you're going to become, where you're going to go, if you think little, you're going to receive little. If you think big, guess what? You're going to get big. We've got to be people of big thinking. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I don't even remember when you were a little kid. Uh, I remember as a little kid. And so, you know, what would happen was, you know, you'd watch the movies. And, uh, you know, I'd watch a movie and I remember watching Rambo. Uh, now, give you a bit of an age there, right? But I remember watching Rambo, Commando in those days. And, and you, know, uh, you know, Sylvester Sloan or, uh, you know, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, I watched these guys, and, 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 and at the end of that movie, man, all I wanted to do was become a commando. And, and so what do I do, man? I'd run around my lounge, around the backyard doing rolls and, and pulling out a gun. And all I wanted to do when I grew up was to be a commando, join the army. How many boys in this place, men in this place, wanted to be a commando in the army, you know? And so that's what, and honestly, as a kid, you, you believed that, that that's what you were going to become. Or maybe you were watching a movie, maybe it was Batman. Or maybe it was Superman. And then what happened was at the end of the movie, man, you're going to be a superhero. And so you'd put on, you know, you put on a cape, a, a towel around your neck and you'd fly around the place and you know, all that sort of stuff. I remember being on a camp, a church camp once. Uh, I'm like eight years of age. And, you know, at the time it's that old school TV program, The Greatest American Hero. Who remembers that program? I mean, I, 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 I mean, and they had this, this four-wheel trike that was, uh, you know, traveling, uh, taking kids around a paddock on the back of a, you know, they had this trailer that was, you know, taking them around the place. And I'm sitting right in the very back. And, uh, and, you know, sitting there, I was just like, let's pretend we're the greatest American hero. And I'm sitting right at the back. And so we, all us kids, we had our hands out like this, flying like this. And, you know, I don't know if you, I don't know if you remember, uh, you know, the greatest American hero could never land properly, Right. It was crash and tumble, hit the ground. And so I'm, I'm flying, you know, doing this. And what happened was is that somehow the trailer came detached from this trike. And, and what happened was the, the trike carried on, but what happened is it slowed down and bang, hit the deck. And every single one of us flew through the air. None of us landed properly. We landed exactly like the greatest American hero. It's pretty painful for some of them. It's quite enjoyable for me. I don't even remember Karate Kid. Remember Karate Kid, you know, that the famous move, you know? And then what she found is that all over the place, people were standing on poles. 
You know? I mean, I, what happened was I watched that movie and I wanted to be Karate Kid. So I'd go and chase up my brother and beat him up. Then he'd get angry, get a baseball bat and chase me around the place. Mm. But I want you to get this picture. Our upbringings, circumstances, backgrounds, cultures, relationships, all playing a part in who we are and who we become. We limit ourselves by negative thinking, stinking thinking, fear, simple thinking, blowing our potential. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, well, you know, teenager, I remember 14 years of age, it was a guy that I hung out with, and uh, as far as I was concerned at the time, he was one of my best mates, and so every day we'd walk to school together, we'd walk home, and you know, I wasn't one of those intelligent, you know, people, you probably look at me, you probably thought I must have been incredibly intelligent, and, uh, you know, not, and, and you know, so, so I wasn't exactly uh, the most, you know, the brainiest kid on the block, and I always found myself in the lowest of lowest classes, and just struggled to get by, and what happened was, and just to give you an idea, you know, when I was, uh, did school C, right, we, you know, I, I, I got, I studied hard out for my exam uh, for English, and I got 33%. So, you know, what happens, you've got to do the year again, I do the year again, and what happens is uh, I studied even harder, I worked hard all year round. The following year, I got 32%. Mm, that was a painful day, that one. So I wasn't the most intelligent one and it wasn't something I could hide. And so, you know, my friend would walk home now. He, he was the opposite. He was, you know, a little more, uh, you know, entrepreneurial in his thinking. His dream was to be a businessman one day. And he said, one day I'm going to own an incredibly huge, uh, you know, corporation and, and, and I'm going to have business and money coming all over the place. Now, and then he would say to me, Kerry, you know, we, we know you're stupid. And uh, what we'll do is, uh, I know you're going to find it really difficult to get a job. Uh, why, why don't you, uh, you know, you come and work for me and I'll pay you $4 an hour to clean the toilets. And I'd hear that day after day. And the problem was is that as I started to listen to those things, I started to believe those things. I want you to know that our thinking affects our behaviors. And our behaviors affect our actions. And our actions eventually affect our results. I'll say that again. Our thinking affects our behaviors. Our behaviors affect our actions. And our actions will affect our results. And so, so the thing is this, is that so often we settle for the circumstances or we start listening to the lies of other people or the lies of the devil telling that we are lower than the potential of what God created us to be. I want you to know that God has got an incredible destiny stamped out for every single one of you in this place. You might have been told that you're hopeless, that you're going nowhere, but I want you to know that God has got a plan for your life. Come on, that's worth putting a hand together for God. He's got something in store for you. In Romans 12, 2, it says this, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. See, I want you to know that this world, there is a pattern, there, that there is a way that this world operates. Uh, we live in a world where everyone wants to knock people down and tell them that they're hopeless, they're going nowhere, they're the fat, they're ugly. And we, we can conform to that and start to believe that. But I want you to know this, the scripture says, don't be conformed to that pattern any longer. Don't be conformed to that style of thinking any, anymore. And then he goes on to say this, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, if you want a transformation in your life, it, it's not going to come through an 0800 number. It's not going to come through some dietary pill that you take. It's going to come through the word of God by changing the stinking thinking and getting God's word into your life. That's what it's about. 
Now, get your Bibles. I want you to open up to 2 Kings chapter 4. Is this message good for you? 2 Kings chapter 4, we're going to go from verses 8. I've got a great message tonight. 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 8. One day Elijah went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I know that this man often comes our way, and he's a holy man of God. She said, let's make a small room on the roof and put a bed in it, a table, a chair, a lamp for him, and then he can stay whenever he comes here to us. One day when Elijah came here, he went up to his room and he laid down there. He said to his servant Gehazi, uh, call a Shemunite. So he called her and she stood before him. Elijah said to him, tell her, what, what, have, what, what can I do uh, for this trouble you've, you've gone to for us? Now what can be done for you? Can I speak to you on behalf of the king or the commander of the army? She replied, I have a home among my own people. What can be done for her? Elijah asked. Gehazi said, well, I've noticed that she has no son and her husband is old. Then Elijah said, call her. So she called and she stood in the doorway and he said, about this time next year, you will hold a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she objected. Don't mislead your servant, O man of God. But the woman became pregnant and the same time next year, she gave birth to a son, just as Elijah had told her. So let's just break this down and work this through. A little bit of Bible study here. First of all, we we find here... uh, Elijah, he's the, the, the man of God. He represents uh, God, uh, you know, in you know, typology. But yeah, he represents God. Well, what happens is he comes to this well-to-do woman. She uh, is a well-known woman and, uh, and she, she, he's having dinner with her. And what she says to her husband, she says, look, we should make a, a room upstairs. We should make some space upstairs for him. My first point is this, is that we need to make space for God. We need to make space, but we need to make space for God upstairs, up here in our our mind. Make space for God. Now, now that could mean you you may have turned up here tonight, you've been invited along this place, and you've come to this place, and and you may say, man, Kerry, I've got all these dreams. I I, want to do this. Uh, You know, as as we heard a moment ago, uh, someone wanted to be, uh, you know, uh, surfing in Indonesia or or to be a a drummer in a band. Uh, But but I want you to know that there is a dream that is laying dormant. There is a seed of a dream that's sitting inside your life. And so what happens is that we've got to make space for God because we'll condition our way to a certain way of thinking. But the thing is here is that we've got to make space for God, first of all. And so maybe you've turned up here tonight and this is all new to you. Our church is new to you. You've seen the singing and you're hearing me preaching. And I want you to know that God is real and we need to make space for God. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter the cultural background you've had. I want you to know, make space for God because you'll bring the dream alive in your life. But maybe you are one of these people that turn up to church week in, week out, and I encourage you to do that. But we've got to make space for God upstairs here, up up here in in, in our minds, make space for God. That means that there are times where, you know, rather than, you know, trying to figure out, you know, the negative situations and think, just make space for God. Give him some room. Point number two. 
it says later on when he turned up in the town that he, he went there and he laid down there. Point number two is let God rest upstairs. Let God rest upstairs. And so often in our minds, when there are problems in our life, we will run around and, and in our heads and, 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 and sometimes in our prayers and we go, God, you've got to understand, I've got this relationship problem, you've got to deal with that. And oh, by the way, God, I've got all these bills and I don't know how to pay for that, God. I've got to sort that out. And, oh, God, I've got Christmas coming, I don't know how to pay for that, God. You've got to sort that out. Oh, my career, God, I know what I'm going to do next year. And in our prayers, we're jumping from one thing to another. And it's like God is running back and forth, trying to sort this out, and then back over here and trying to sort this out. And, back, and, and God is running around back and forth. But I want you to know this. Just let God rest upstairs. In our prayer time, there comes a moment where we've got to stop. Close our mouths and just rest. Just close your eyes where you are right now. I don't know what's going on in your world right now. I don't know the pressures that you're facing in your family. Maybe there's a marriage that's, that's potentially on the rocks. Maybe students, you're on the edge. You're just like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to pass my exams this year. It's just, just, just rest. Just let God rest right now. Wake up. Okay, I don't want you to go to sleep right now. But I just want to leave that with you. Make space for God upstairs here, but let Him rest in your mind. Number three, I noticed here, uh, you know, she had never given birth to, to her dream. Uh, the thing was, is that Elijah, the man of God, wanted to do something for her. I mean, she had blessed the man of God, and, and he wasn't just concerned about his own needs and, and making those. And he, he stopped and he said, I want to do something for you. Is there anything I can do? Can I talk to the king? Can I, can I maybe get a better job for your husband and the king? Well, what can I do for you? She said, I got an, I, it's all good. It's all good with me. And his servant uh, is, is the next guy in line, Gehazi, he says, look, I've noticed this lady doesn't have a son. Now, I've figured out that 90% of women, they, you know, they want to have a child. It's just part of that nurturing thing that's inside of them. They want to have, have children. I'll put your hand up if you want to have a child, if you haven't had kids. And even my six, seven-year-olds, they'll play babies and mums and dads. And, you know, they'll carry it around. It's just part of their, their nature. Why do some of you guys put your hands up? Uh, but, but the thing is this, is that she'd never given birth to a son. And what happens is, is that sometimes we have dreams that we've always wanted, things that we've always wanted to do. But see, it seems like sometimes the circumstances seem to be so far from the reality. And what happens is that we get to a place where we find ourselves settling for second best. We say, well, obviously that dream wasn't for me. It obviously wasn't from God. Uh, it, it obviously is not going to happen for me. So we settle and we say, oh, oh we'll just have to leave it. This lady had grown a little old and, and uh, you know, it was obviously not possible. And so, listen to me. Just because the circumstances aren't proving it right now, just keep believing. Just keep sticking in there. Don't give up. You've got to have some faith to stick in there and believe God. Believe God for your dream to come, play, come to place. And she, she gives this excuse and she goes, oh, yeah. So Gehazi says, look, you know, she can't have it because her husband's old. I got thinking about this, his husband's eye. Well, well, you know, why is that the excuse? I got thinking about this. It could mean one of two things. Uh, excuse my, my phraseology here, but maybe he was uh, impotent. Uh, the, 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 thing, the thing was is that 
Maybe she was thinking, you know, maybe in the dream of your life, you're saying, you, you don't understand. I don't have the get up and go. I don't have the energy. I don't have people around me to give the power to make this dream come to place. Or, or maybe secondly, maybe you just didn't have the, the, the seed, the right seed to, to make it happen. And so you've got to understand that, that a dream takes a seed. Uh, and you might say, man, I don't have the resources. The, the seed speaks of a resource. And you might say, man, I've got a dream to buy a house. But, but you don't understand, Kira, I don't have a seed to make that happen. I don't have a deposit or I don't have family members that can go guarantor for me. I, I don't have the resources. I don't have the financial resources. I don't have the people resources. I want to start a business. I, I want to, this is my dream to have my own business, but I just don't have the capital. And what happens is, is that we give these excuses. Husband is old. So, so what happened is, number five, she settled in her heart that it wasn't going to happen. And she says to him, you know, after he says to her, he says, you know, about this time next year. And she goes, oh, look, uh, you know, don't flatter me. Uh, you know, don't, don't get my hopes risen up. Don't do those things. And, and, and you've got to understand this is that when you turn up in church, you, you hear messages like this. And it's, it's like there's the, something happens to that dream. Everything inside of you says, man, I can do this. I can make this happen. I can make my dream. But then the, the, the conditioning of our lives, our thinking, and, and the things that are in our world, would just go, oh, maybe it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, don't get my hopes up, Pastor. Motivational speaker, I, you know, it's just, it's just not going to happen. Listen to me. Don't get my hopes up. We need to get our hopes up. But I'm not talking about wishful thinking here. I'm talking about having faith. I'm talking about a belief that says, okay, God, if this is what your word says, if this is what the promise is in your word, that you'll heal me, that you'll save me, that you'll deliver me, that I'm going to stand on your word no matter what it takes until I get my breakthrough. See, a lot of people, they say, man, what, you know, what you do is you take the word of God and you apply it to your life. I disagree with that statement. You never take the word of God and you apply it to your life. What you do is you take your life and you apply it to God's word. Because if I, if, I, if I just take the word and apply it to my life, what I'll do is I'll look through and I, oh, I like that scripture. I'll, you know, blessing. I, I want to be blessed and I'll, I'll heal. I need to be healed. Tithing. Oh, I don't like that. We'll kick that one out for a bit. You're hearing what I'm saying? Take your life and apply it to the principles of God's word. Hmm. Number six, find a place where you can see there are other possibilities. So, so the, the man of God says to her, lady, what I'm going to do about this time next year, the dream of you having your own baby is going to take place. She says, I don't know, I don't know if that can take place. And he calls to her. And what happens is, is it says that she came and she stood in the door post, the, the, the doorway when I was dwelling on this this afternoon, I, I was in the bathroom and, uh, of my motel, the unit that I'm in. And so here I am in this motel unit. And, you know, the bathrooms can create a mess at times. Uh, you know, we don't have to talk about that. But there's messes that take place and, you know, the, the certain, you know, apparatus is around the room. And, and the thing is this, is that sometimes you can be in a room where all you see is mess. All around you, there's mess in your relationships and your finances and your career and your future. All around you, there's mess and you're in one room and that's all you can see. And as I started to walk this through, I walked to the doorway and I stood in the doorway. And when I stood in the doorway, I realized that my peripheral vision, I could no longer see the room behind me. 
And the thing is this, is that despite your circumstances, the mess behind you, you need to position yourself in a place where you can start to see things in a new world. It's, it's, see, what happened, she stood in that place, in that doorpost, and she could now see a new room. Uh, it speaks of a, of a place where you, you're seeing things in ways you've never... It's, it speaks of a place of a new world opened up to your life. What I'm saying is this, is that maybe you've got mess in your world, but what you've got to do is you've got to position your pl- in yourself in a place where all you see is the promises of God's word. You hearing what I'm saying? Position yourself. We, we, that's, I, I know that stuff's going on back there, and yes, I know I have to deal with some of those things, but no, no, no. God has got a plan. He's got a purpose for my life. I'm going to, well, what do you say here, God? What's the promise? What's the promise? And so, so what happens is it says, as it goes down, it says uh, the same time next year, verse 17, the woman became pregnant. And next year, about the same time, she gave birth to her son. My goodness. Oh. So here's a lady that couldn't conceive. She couldn't have her own children. It was a dream, but it was, it was a, a dead dream. It wasn't going to go anywhere. And the man of God says to her, about this time next year, you'll hold the sun, your dream in your hand. And across this place, maybe you've turned up here today. And you've been told that your dream is hopeless, that you're going to go nowhere, that you're going to amount to nothing. Your circumstances have been speaking to say it's just not going to take place. But I'm here to tell you, and I've come from the Gold Coast in Australia to tell you this, that about this time next year, that you'll hold the dream in your hand. You'll give birth to your dream, your son, the dream that's in your hand. It's going to become a reality. Yesterday I told a story of some of the youth, young adults of a of a kid in, in school, his dream was to become a school basketball player. See, all, all through his schooling life, all he wanted to do, I mean, he'd been to the games, he'd done all those things, he, he, he'd seen people play, and his dream was to be in the school basketball team. What, what does he do, man? He gets down there and he, uh, you know, goes down the trials and, you know, they're, they're all having a go. There's so many people in the school that wants to be on that. I mean, they were a great team known throughout the region. What happens is, is that the coach at the end pulls out his clipboard, starts naming off names, gets to the last name, and uh, to his horror, this particular kid didn't get selected. He was so upset. He was so disappointed. He, at that point, he, he goes up to the coach and says, Coach, uh, you've got to understand that this is my dream. I always, my ultimate dream is to be on this team. Uh, is there anything you can do? And the coach said, look, I can only have so many. And unfortunately, you're just not to the level of the rest of the team are in. So, so this is what we wanted. Uh, I, I can't have you on the team. He's like, come on, coach, can, we, can you do anything? He goes, I can't do anything, but this is what I will do. He said, why don't you turn up half an hour before school? Stay half an hour after school. You practice with me in those times, and I'll guarantee next year you'll be on the team. So, so what happens is he does exactly that. When the, the rest of his friends were sleeping in, he was up early. He was down at school and he was training with the coach uh, after school when all his friends were off down the mall, hanging out in the skate parks, doing all those things. Well, what, what happened was he was there practicing, doing those things. A uh, year goes by and what happens is the, the trials and the, the coach reads out the names. The final name he calls out was his name. What happens, this kid got his dream. He got to attend the, the, the dream that, that he had. Uh, I want you to know this, is that that particular kid got his dream, but it didn't finish there. What happened was he became the 
greatest basketball player planet Earth ever know. His name is Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan was a, a kid that was rejected from his school basketball team. But see, someone said to him about this time next year, if you do these things, uh, you, you. and so he had to shift his thinking. I want to tell you tonight that about this time next year, if you just believe God, your circumstances can change. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can put your Bibles down. About this time next year, about this time next year, things are going to change. You're going to give birth to your dream. About this time next year, what happened about January, the beginning of this year, the scripture came to me about this time next year. I was 33 years of age. 19 years of age, I had a dream, and my dream was to, to pastor my own church. I had this dream to do something for God, to, to make a stand, uh, to, to build a, an influential church. What happened was, is, uh, as time went on, I, I, I had my chance to serve a, another man of God. And, and I've, I've had the privilege to serve some of the incredible man, men of God on planet Earth. This region, planet Earth. But, but January this year, what was going on is that it, it just as far as I was concerned, I was thinking, God, when is this going to take place? And you know what happens is that you battle that inside your head and you, you fight over that stuff time and time again. And what happened was I was just, I was getting to the point where I was just going, maybe this is not going to happen. I started looking at other options. But the scripture came to me about this time next year. And I was challenged. What's going to happen for me about this time next year? I'm not going to settle for my circumstances. I'm not going to put belief in the fact that this dream is not going to take place. I'm going to believe you, God. And so I made a stand at that place right when I heard that scripture. About this time next year, your dream will come to place. I want you to know this. It's February 2008. I'm launching my church on the Gold Coast. For me, that's a dream that's been sitting dormant inside. At times I thought maybe it's just not going to happen. But I want you to know God is true to his word. He's true to the dreams and vision. He's true to the purpose and plans he put in my life. He's true to what he's put in your life. About this time next year. About this time next year. Your dream is going to come to place. About this time next year, you're going to give birth to your dream. I want you to stand on your feet right now, right across this place. And man, if you want to believe God that this time next year, your dream will come to place, I want you to put your hands together. I want you to praise. I want you to believe on Him. Come on, do that now. Jesus! Jesus! About this time next year, I know that the devil has told you that it's not going to happen. And I know that the circumstances are saying it's not going to happen. But I want you to know that God is true to his word. About this time next year, you're going to give birth to your dream. Hey. Come on, picture it right now. Picture it, picture it, picture it. Close your eyes right across this place. What is that for you? What's that dream for you? 
It's not an impossibility. About this time next year. About this time next year, Rapturakis. About this time next year. New level of influence. New round for you guys. About this time next year. Some of you in this place have been believing for a business. About this time next year, you're going to have your own business. Jesus. Bay City. As a church, let's collectively believe right now that about this time next year, we'll be a complete new level. Come on, about this time next year, let's see souls coming to the kingdom of God. Let's believe God for revival. Souls coming to the kingdom of God. Revolution taking place. Jesus. Jesus. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Gotta believe. Gotta believe. Come on, get yourself in that place. Close your eyes. Stand on the doorpost. Don't look at the mess behind you. Don't look at the mess. I know that your mum and dad right now are fighting. <laughs> and I know that your relationships with your partners are a bit tough. But believe that this time next year that you'll be madly in love with your wife, your husband, Jesus. About this time next year, just believe. Just close your eyes across this place.